Good morning. A professional philosopher is speaking to you this morning. Brace yourself. Uh, but as a philosopher, I am fascinated by concepts. And we find in the passage that was just read the concept of abiding in, or in some translations, dwelling in. And that's very interesting to me. Uh, I know that material objects cannot abide in or dwell in each other. But yet this concept occurs throughout this stretch of John. I abide in the Father. The Father abides in me. You must abide in me and I in you and so on through these chapters of John. Now early Christian theologians reflected on the inner nature of the Trinity and understood it as the mutual indwelling of the persons. Three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in one being, indwelling each other. There is interpenetration of the divine persons, they thought. <clears throat> the idea here, then, is that it's personal beings that can indwell each other. The Greek word for this relationship is perichoresis, which comes from two words, peri, which means around. We get words like perimeter, and chorea, which means coordinated movement, dance, something I cannot personally do. <laughs> um, so do as I say, don't do as, oh, forget it. Okay. In the fourth century, St. Gregory of Nazianzus reflected in the same way on the nature of the Trinity, and he called God explicitly the great dance meaning that the interrelation of love between the divine persons can be compared to a kind of dance of giving and receiving. A dance of giving and receiving that has been going on inside the life of God forever. So the very heart of reality according to Gregory, is constituted by eternal, unending love relationships. Now, throughout most of the 20th century, uh, in theology, the Trinity was conceived as what we call the economic Trinity, meaning that this is the way the church has experienced God in the economy of the world. The three-in-one formula was thought to be the church's construct, right? Uh, but it couldn't be actual knowledge of the inner life of God because he's infinite and beyond finite human comprehension. <clears throat> However, in the middle of the 20th century, the great German uh, Catholic thinker, Karl Rahner, was one of the theologians who helped begin the, what I would call the Trinitarian revival in the later 20th century. And Rahner's rule was, hey, he didn't say hey, 
thing. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't know what that would that be in German. But anyway. <clears throat> hey, the economic trinity is the imminent trinity. It's your honor's rule. In other words, of course, the believing church, the believing community has experienced God as Trinity because he is a Trinity in his own inner life. And he's graciously given to us a glimpse, this knowledge of his own intrinsic life and the eternal love relationships that are going on forever with or without us. This is an amazing vision at the foundation of Christian theology. Now God's purpose was always to bring humanity into the great dance, into his own divine life. But we lost our way, we got out of step in the dance, and we now must re-enter that dance. C.S. Lewis, and yes, there's a course on the books on C.S. Lewis. <laughs> this is just marketing. You know what I'm saying? Okay. C.S. Lewis, sometimes around here called the fourth member of the Trinity. But I'm just talking about the, the three and one. Okay. Lewis says it this way. God is not a static thing, not even a person, but a dynamic pulsating activity, a life, almost a kind of drama, almost, if you will not think me irreverent, a kind of dance. The whole dance or drama or pattern of this three-personal life is to be played out in each one of us. Or putting it the other way around, each one of us has got to enter that pattern, take his place or her place in that dance. For there's no other way to the happiness for which we were made. So what we're seeing here is that the heart of reality is inherently personal, interpersonal, social, and relational. And we are invited into that dynamic life. In fact, all of creation, the whole cosmos, is meant to be caught up in the great dance. That unending dance, that eternal pattern of love relations is to take root and grow in us. This is an astounding vision with very ancient roots about our transformation into the likeness of Christ. Now, in a post-Christian culture, uh, I think where a lot of Christian presentations of the gospel are often stereotyped and dismissed summarily, we might do well in some contexts to think of a less didactic, maybe less stereotypical, mode of presentation about the deep human need for God. I would call it joyful cosmology, 
The idea is that we, in all of reality, are meant to share in the life of God, who is the great dance of love and joy and peace at the core of reality. I would never think to go to a movie if I weren't married. But in the book, The Shack, and in the recent movie, It Became, which my wife took me to, you're going. Uh, <laughs> so I think she, with parishioners, she, has, she feels like she has to be able to interact and say she's seen things and can talk intelligently about it. In this movie, The Shack, and in the book, the central person is struggling with some painful events in his life and feeling distant from God. And there's an invitation he receives to go into a cabin in the woods, a shack, where God shows up as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One dark evening, he's there for several days, and one dark evening when he's outside looking in, this seeker uh, sees through the window the members of the Trinity inside, music playing, and they are dancing with joyful self-abandonment. I think the clear suggestion in that scene is that he too is invited into that great dance. And that that will bring a reorientation of himself and further healing. Okay, I went to a movie I wasn't expecting to go to. But I have to give my film critic's opinion. I think in the genre of Christian films that we may be familiar with, this movie is a major advance that's all I got to say about that. Um, back on track. Back on track. C.S. Lewis would explain it this way. This is more shameless marketing. Uh, C.S. Lewis would explain it this way. Christians make the statement, God is love. They believe that this living, dynamic activity of love has been going on in God forever and has created everything else. Therefore, it's very fair and very accurate to say that Christian life is about being caught up in that dynamic love, taking our place in that joyful dance. Yes, there's repentance. Yes, there's justification by faith. But now these make sense as elements in a larger framework. Because our original destiny, which remains still our destiny, is transformation through participation in the life of the Trinity. I'm really not quoting Lewis to shamelessly market my course. I'm quoting Lewis because he knows that theological orthodoxy is spiritually nourishing. It's alive. And I hope that we find these ancient and contemporary reflections on the Trinity to be deeply nourishing for us as believers and thinking about our relation to God. And also maybe that we gain some helpful glimpse 
into ways that we could reflect to those who are outside of faith the attractiveness of life in God. 